I came from Bible Belt, conservative Ohio, and I went to school in Boston. I went to Tufts. I had this idea in my head of going to this great liberal haven of Boston. And it's like, oh, there's this whole new world. And I think that was part of it. Welcome to another episode of the Sound of Success podcast, where we talk with movers and shakers in the financial and tech worlds about music. I know, weird, right? On this episode, we welcome Jim Wyant, who is the founder of Spark Network and previously founded ETF.com and IndexUniverse.com. And he's also worked at indexfunds.com. And in a previous life, he was a researcher for Compton's Encyclopedia and has worked variously as a writer and editor, as well as a legal assistant, teacher, and Peace Corps volunteer in Boston, London, Japan, New York, West Africa, Venezuela, San Francisco, and now Spain. Jim lives with his wife and his two boys in San Sebastian in Spain. I think I've gotten an invite. I haven't been there yet, though. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. You definitely have an invite, Nick. Good Can't to wait know. to get you over here. As soon as we can travel. I've been talking about traveling. You know, before we get into the music, uh, I think we need to talk a little bit about your most recent travel experience. So you were due over in the States, what, about a month and a half ago? You were going to be here for uh, a month visiting uh, friends and family and doing business. And somewhere between Spain and New York, you picked up COVID. So first of all, I'm glad you're okay. Secondly, as a mate of mine, we were talking a little bit while you were uh, going through it. And uh, man, you had a really, really difficult time. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, your recovery and how you're doing now. And then take us back through your experience of coming from overseas, getting COVID, getting into the U.S. medical system. My COVID adventures, they were quite some adventures. First of all, I'm doing great to answer your question feel back to normal and really happy about that and kind of thankful for the family and everything. I think something like that just really makes you appreciate what you have. And so I, I definitely feel like I got that. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, is it, it didn't seem like a very serious thing when I actually had COVID. So first of all, I think I got it at the testing clinic where I had to get a test to come to the U.S., I'm 90% sure I picked it up in there. There were people mm -hmm. coughing in there. So I think I had it and was already symptomatic while I was on the plane flying over to New York. Got it. Um, and I, I really just felt like I was under the weather that whole week and, and didn't think I had COVID at all. And I saw people, I had meetings with people. Right, right, right. You just thought you had a little jet lag, right? Yeah. And everyone was fully vaccinated. And then afterwards, I obviously had to tell all these people that I had COVID, but it turned out okay for everyone. So that weekend was Mother's Day in the US and we were gonna have a big family gathering and we decided I should get the test before that. And that test was positive. But again, like they, they figured I only had three or four days to quarantine. Mm. We don't have the big gathering, the shindig with my mother and all my relatives, which is unfortunate and sad. It's gonna be the first gathering of everyone in, you know, more than a year. And you're in Ohio, right? I'm in Ohio, the Buckeye state. Yeah. So I go into quarantine at my sister's place for a few days. And during that time, I start getting this extraordinary pain in my legs. And I thought it was leg cramps. 
which are very common with COVID. And all through this period, I'm obviously reading and trying to understand what's going on in my symptoms. And everything. Yeah, yeah. And so I have, I don't know, four or five days of this excruciating pain in my legs. And then all of a sudden my legs feel fine and I have excruciating pain in my chest. Mm. And I still thought it was something muscular. I hadn't really connected uh, the dots. And in a couple of days, it got really bad to where I was scared. I couldn't breathe. And I called an ambulance and they had an ambulance take me to the hospital and was in the emergency room. And within a few hours, they had deduced that I had a pulmonary embolism, which is wow. blood clots, blood clots in good. the lungs can be very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mine were not on any major vessels. So I was lucky that way. My goodness. Um, and we're not threatening my heart. And so uh, I, I, I got a sense from the doctors pretty quickly that the prognosis was good. They're going to put me on blood thinners, et cetera. And so I, I stayed in the hospital for four days. I'm on morphine. It's extraordinarily painful to move, to talk, to, to do anything. It just hurts pain like I've never felt. But I get out of the hospital in four days and they put me on other blood thinners and I've been on those since and it's just gotten better and better and now I feel fine. But it was a very uh, frightening episode and it just felt like a you know a train that kind of hit me out of the blue. And so that is my COVID story. Yeah. So, so we're going to talk about music in, in a minute, but just to sort of follow up on, uh, on what you're saying, you're a U.S. citizen, but you've been living in Spain for, what, 20 years now? I know that you had planned on getting vaccinated when you got back, right? Back to the States. In fact, when you arrived, the first thing you did or one of the first things you did was get the first vaccination. Uh, I'm presuming that you later on got the second vaccination as well. Um, and you'll be able to come back at some point in the not too distant future, fully vaccinated. But that experience, forget the personal experience, uh, because I, I'm sure that must have been so difficult. You being here, obviously with family here, but your wife and kids on the other side of the Atlantic, that in and of itself must have been life changing in some way, I'm sure. But what about your actual experience of going through the healthcare system in the States as a US citizen, obviously, but someone living abroad? Yeah, someone living abroad and uninsured as well. So the level of care was great. Absolutely. Doctors were really good, really competent, really on the ball. I was at the Cleveland Clinic, which also is a great uh, hospital system. And so I felt really lucky that way. But then, you know, looking at the charges, they're sky high. Like to, to really put a clear point on it, the drug that I needed in the US basically cost $500 a month. And when I came back to Europe, that same drug costs 80 euros a month in Spain, 65 euros a month in France. And there's no other country in the world where that drug costs anywhere near what it does in the US. And that to me is absurd and obscene and broken. And uh, the U.S. has a system that says that it's all about competition and capitalism, but it's not. It's completely obfuscated system where you you, know, you don't know the prices. Price they, you can be priced at anything for any service, and it's absurd. I don't know that there's anything I can do about it, but sort of like scream into the wind. But 
the US medical system, yeah, it has quality, but it's insane. It's 15% of our GDP. And we've got a much larger relative GDP than, you know, European countries, for example. And in Europe, there's no country where it's greater than seven or 8% of the GDP. It's a, just a much more sane system here. And my level of care in, in Europe is great. You know, if I call a doctor, I see a doctor tomorrow. And in the US, you wait and there are long lines. That's not the experience here anyway in mm. Spain. And so, yeah, I've had that, that thought for a long time, but I guess this experience, it definitely underscores that the U.S. does have a very high level of care and, you know, the hospital offered support as well. Cleveland Clinic has a huge endowment, is an un unusual hospital, yes. and so is helping me on the financial side as well. So obviously the US healthcare system is fantastic from the point of view of care and the doctors and the nurses and the people who work in it. But as you said, there's still something very broken in a system that can charge five times as much for a medication as you would find it somewhere else uh, in, in the world. Anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about some fun stuff. First of all, I'm so glad you're okay. Obviously we work together. You and I initially met about three years ago on a music related thing. When I came to your ETF.com, um, was it the awards that I came to? It was a big event. I remember in, in Hollywood, Florida, and I came and did an interview with, uh, Quincy Jones, uh, yeah, inside the inside ETFs event in Florida. Exactly. Yeah. And then three years later, here we are. And, and I work with you now, which is so much fun. It's a pleasure actually working with you. So let's talk about music. You're back in Spain right now. Why don't we talk a little bit about your first musical memory? The first thing you remember as a, a kid, maybe when you were really aware of the music that you were listening to? Yeah, I grew up in a very musical family. So there were always instruments around. And I would say maybe the earliest memory I have is of my grandfather playing the mandolin and the bazooki. Um, he was Greek. My mother is 100% Greek. Yeah. And so I grew up with a lot of Greek music around and, and actually played instruments. And then all of my siblings also played musical instruments. So my two older sisters played music. like always. Wow, so you were surrounded by it very early on. Yep. Yeah, so that would be the earliest for me. Yeah, always, always lots of music. So music um, around the house. What, what about being aware of music perhaps on the radio or hearing something outside of your, your family musical instruments? I have these, I have memories of being sort of in kindergarten age and having a babysitter who played country music. And so I have these really early muse, memories of, kind of old school Hank Williams mm. type country music that when I hear it now, it may, it's really nostalgic and feels really good to me even now. So from, from really, really early memories. What was the first album you bought with your own money? I think it was ELO, a new world record. I would have been, I don't know, eight or 10 years old, something like that why that record was it something that you had heard somewhere or was, was was the album cover interesting what made you spend your own money your allowance money on that record 
I love the song Telephone Line. Got it. <laughs> I think it was that song. And it I'm takes. Like, oh, I wanted the album. And then I saw the album. I knew the song. I saw the album. The album cover was super cool. It like I can kind of visualize it. It's got like color and laser kind of feel mm -hmm. to it. It's what about your first concert? I guess it depends how you define a concert. So okay. I, I grew up, it's kind of funny. I grew up going to these light opera performances. So the local university performed light opera, like Gilbert and Sullivan. Wow. And so I don't know if you can call that a concert, if that's a performance, but like. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Give three cheers and one cheer more for the captain of the pinafore <laughs> and all that. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Which I, you know, I still like and think is cool. I think, I guess if you were going to say concert, concert, like rock and roll concert, yeah. the funny thing is, I don't think I went to one until I got to college. And then in college, I went to a lot of them. And the first one might've even been like Grateful Dead. Mm -hmm. I went to a bunch of Grateful Dead when I was in college. And oh, did, were you a deadhead? You know, were you a college deadhead? With the I, was a, I was a borderline deadhead, I would say, for a period. Proud like, of you for admitting it, Jim. <laughs> yeah, and I still, I still like the dead. I'm still very attached to the dead, right? What was I mean, it about dead not... shows? You said you went to a bunch. What, what was it about dead shows? I mean, I, I don't know if there was any you know, uh, marijuana haze in the audience or something, but what was it about a, a dead no, show? There was definitely some kind of haze in the audience. It was, you know, it's just this whole carryover of the sixties of just this traveling circus of like sixties remnant kind of communal, everyone in it together. We can, we're one with the music mm. like that, that whole feeling, which was cool and which was fun. And which, you know, for me, I came from like Bible Belt, conservative Ohio, and I went to school in Boston. I went to Tufts. I had this idea in my head of going to this great liberal haven of Boston. And it's like, oh, there's this whole new world. And I think that was part of it, right? Like the dead shows and the Santana. And I, I remember we had a spring, a spring fling with uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan mm. at Tufts, which was amazing. But I saw a lot of shows through college. And, and going to college in uh, Boston as well, a, a, great, uh, a great musical city, no doubt. Um, it was an interesting place to, to be for the bands that were happening around town as well as people coming in. But you do know what they say. And uh, for, for deadheads uh, who were hardcore, forgive me before I say this, but you, there, there is the saying of what did the one deadhead say to the other deadhead when the, the drugs ran out? <laughs> I don't know if I've heard this one. This music sucks. <laughs> Sorry, it's an old one, but you gotta you yeah, gotta pull it out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. I do like the music. I still like the music though, and I don't take drugs. So, um, well, there you go. Let me ask you about artists uh, or albums that you like for different moods. So, let let's say you feel like dancing, and maybe there's nobody around the house, or maybe you want to dance with your kids or your wife. What, what are you going to throw on if it's something that makes you want to dance? Um, yeah, I, I kind of dance to anything, I think, but like something that's got you know a beat and a hook to it, like a Taylor Swift "Shake It Off" kind of thing. Hmm. Something like that. Something that's just like a celebration. What about maybe? if you're feeling a little melancholy? Is there a, a record or an artist that you return to when you want just want to sort of sit in your stuff for a minute? Yeah, I love Leonard Cohen. 
Joni Mitchell Blue, right? Like that's a just a phenomenal. Fifty album. years old this year, that record. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. That's like this week, hard. I think. So I was three when Blue came out, but I, I picked it up at some point and, yeah. and took it into my life. Do you have a favorite artist that perhaps never quite made it? I, I think, you know, for, for me, obviously, with what I do, I, I come in contact with a lot of music. And uh, often I think, wow, that's a hit. That artist is amazing. And sometimes they are, but many times they're not. Is there anybody in particular that you love? that you think should have found a bigger audience? You know, over the years, bands that I saw, local bands in Boston who are amazing, amazing, and like just never made it. There's one kind of funk band, and, and I, knew the, I knew the guys in it as well, called Chuck, like way back in those days. I thought it was great, and I thought they could break out. And, and by the way, when I was at Tufts, um, Tracy Chapman was discovered by a close friend of mine at Tuff's father worked, I think at Columbia records as a mm. senior who introduced her to them and got her that record deal. So she was, when I was there playing in the streets and then within a couple of years was huge. And I just think there's a randomness to it. There's so much great music. And I think working with you now and hearing all these great musicians new musicians who you profile, but just really underscores that. And it's such a brutal business and it's gotten tougher and tougher. The only way you make money largely is by live performances and it's only a few. So I really admire the people who stick it out and really stay with their passion and stay with the music. Yeah, it's very difficult for most musicians to make a living, as you pointed out, and these are challenging times before covid for artists making a living. The good news, though, is that um, live performances and touring is just about to pick up. So whether you're a, a band going out on a stadium tour or whether you're just a solo act or a small band uh, putting together your own tour, it looks like venues are starting to open up and we'll be able to go out and see live music again in the not-too-distant future, which is fabulous. But, but we're coming to the end of this, but I, I, Jim, do you have a recent discovery um, an artist that, or an album that you've heard perhaps uh, in the last six months or so that you'd like to share with us for our Sounds of Success playlist? Most of the recent artists I've picked up have come from your list, to be honest. And <laughs> okay. like, Check I out love the playlist, it. folks. Yeah, it's on Spotify. Check out the Spark playlist, which yeah. is phenomenal. There's a ton of music that I love on that list. And I would say of those I really love Chris Pierce. I think that song, American Silence, to mm. me, that's like, a, that's like a song for the ages, honestly. It's just like a really profound statement at a certain point in time. And I think that's something that music does that's amazing to me. Like music can shift the culture. Like you think about someone like David Bowie, who to me is like a God, is a larger than life. And, and the reason I view him that way is I think with his music and how he was, he made it okay to be a little weird and a little different and gave a home to all these people that were a little outside the normal. And I just love that music can do that and can be that kind of a personal life-changing experience for people. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Musically, I'm talking, obviously. I guess it would be 70s big hair rock. 
you know, like that, it would be that stuff. Like, like who? Uh, Guns and Roses and Brady's. Yeah. Even like Foreigner, you know, like that would, that oh, would wow. date me a You'd little more. Big right? American like, cold as ice. <laughs> rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. I like that stuff. I like that just pure old school, heavy on the guitar. That's a guilty pleasure. And there's nothing fancy about it, but it, it's, it's kind of visceral. I, I, I got to remember next time Poison put something out to uh, add it to the playlist. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Poison. Um, <laughs> that's, that's right. They're right there. Right there. So listen, man, we're just about ready to wrap this up. Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, coming in and well, I say coming in, coming into your room in Spain and through the miracles of technology into my room here in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles and, and talking a little bit about music. I always like to wrap up with this question. How are you feeling right now? I feel great. You know, I mean, this COVID, it's been a brutal year on many levels and for many people, much more well, than even me. More so for guys like you who, you know, let's be honest, almost died. Um, that's yeah, that's, that's got to be, a, that's got to rearrange your thinking a little bit. Yeah, it did. I think it does for sure. But I, you know, I feel great. And uh, I, you know, I'm, extremely excited you're talking about like oh there's going to be all these new performances now i'm super excited about getting back into the real world and i think that the world is going to have a blast off from you know late this year next year the u.s is already on the verge of it and europe is close behind so i'm excited for that i'm excited for what we're doing and building at spark and i'm having a lot of fun and i'm definitely happy to be alive if, if somebody catches this podcast quite by accident and they're like, Who, who's this English guy and who's this guy he's, he's talking to? You know, we started off obviously by giving a little bit of background on you and your career up until now and Spark. But uh, just very quickly in a, in a sentence, if you can, tell us about Spark and what Spark is going to be doing in the next year or so. Yeah, Spark is investing in technologies that are making the world a better place and kind of connecting culture into that world, right? So we're bridging music and culture and food and all these things that we love um, with financial things that we think can drive positive change into the wider world. We're launching the Now South Festival, which will be in Atlanta ultimately, and it's going to be all about building bridges across ideological and other divides. We have a climate event that we've run uh, and are going to be doing things kind of in the, in the crypto blockchain space as well with a focus on climate and uh, positive social change. So that's the common thread that uh, weaves the connection between all the different things that we do. It's driving positive change and having fun while we're doing it. Well, it's great hanging out with you for a minute and talking about music. Again, we met on a music-related thing, and here we are working together a couple of years later. So uh, I'm grateful for you, certainly grateful that you're okay and in good shape. Not for me, but for your family, obviously. It uh, must have been a very difficult uh, couple of weeks there. But Jim Wyant is, uh, is the man behind Spark. He's got some other people helping him out, but he's the man behind Spark Network. And he's been talking to us a little bit about his music, musical choices, the music that he grew up listening to on the Sound of Success podcast. Great talking to you, mate. Great talking to you as well, Nick. And it's been a real pleasure working with you. I can't wait to get you over to Spain. 
Yeah, I'm coming soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening. The Sound of Success is produced by Elizabeth Thompson with myself, Nick Harcourt, for Spark Network. Our theme music is by Keita Klein. For more episodes, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at sparknetwork.com.